Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good week. I want to, um, today I want to continue uh, on, well, it's a, a type of continuation. Last week I spoke about uh, being a living sacrifice and what that looked like. Um, a little bit different to what maybe some are accustomed to. You know, it's not about being perfect. Uh, we never, never, ever want to let perfect get in the way of good when it comes to our walk, when it comes to our service. But we never want lethargy to get in the way of excellence either. Yeah? So being a living sacrifice is not about being perfect, but it is about something that we can do, that we bring to the table. There is a death that we have to experience, a process in that. And God keeps talking to me about about these things. So this is where I want to go today. And um, I've just I've written in the Logos a little bit of this stuff, and so you, you may know it if you've already read the front page, but to be a living sacrifice requires a choice on our part, a choice to actually present ourselves, yeah? Because it says, present yourselves. I urge you to present yourself. So it's our choice to actually present ourselves before the Lord to be a living sacrifice. And so he wants us to do that so he can put to death the things in us that prevent us from being all that that he's destined us to be. That's fair enough, yeah? He's called us. I'm certain that he's a good father. And I'm certain that in his goodness, he doesn't want us to be frail, to be unwell, to have mental health issues, to struggle in life when we have those issues. Um, Because... I'm certain that he's so good that he's given, every, given us everything that we need to one, either be healed, but if we're not healed, that's still okay. I still believe he, his will is for us to be healed, but he's given us everything to actually live in that in a way that grows us, yeah? that stretches us, that makes us more like his son, Jesus. Because Jesus, do you realise this is a real revelation for some of you? Jesus was able to be Jesus even, every day, even at moments where they chased him and beat him. I'm just putting it out there, yeah? He was able to be Jesus every day, even under those circumstances. And so for us as Christians, we have everything we need to be Jesus people every day, even under extreme circumstances. Now, I've got a whole bunch of thoughts that have been bouncing in my head this week, and so I'll try to get through them today. And the first thought's this, that I believe there's a direct connection, a correlation between being a living sacrifice and the life that we experience on earth. Yeah? I believe there's a direct connection, a direct correlation between being a living sacrifice and the relationship that we have with Father God. And I actually believe to experience all that he has purpose for us, the stuff that he planned for us, even while we were still in our mother's womb, yeah, then we need to be a living sacrifice. And I believe that Jesus actually shows us how to do that in his life. But first, one of the things that we're promised is to live a life and a life abundant. There's a whole bunch of promises that God speaks for us, to us, you know, through the word. And I've just grabbed a handful, yeah, just a handful. John 10.10, the second part, not the first part. The first part reads, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who's they? That's we. It's you and I. Yeah? That's okay? Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Romans 8.37. No, in all these things, we, yeah, us, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. John 14.12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Fair dinkum. 
He raised people from the dead, opened eyes, opened ears. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Philippians 4, 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What about Deuteronomy 28, 13? If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you'll always be on top and never at the bottom. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. It's just a couple. I just picked a couple that I thought, you know, the ones you, get a, you feel like sometimes you've got to reach for, Yeah. But my question is, when was the last time, I'm just grabbing my water, when was the last time that any of us or all of us could say absolutely yes and amen to every single one? You know, if you had a tick box, you go, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Oh, yeah, yep, that's me. Head and not the tail. Oh, that's definitely me. I know that's not me just in my home. No, anyway, that's not Don't go there. So, like, when was the last time that we could actually say yes for all of those, for all of those, yet they're promises. And God doesn't give us a promise and then as we go to grab it, pull it away. He doesn't do that. We may do that as parents. Some of us may enjoy doing that as parents, putting stuff up there, going, oh, not yet. Give it to me. Okay, oh, not yet. Here you get it. Not yet. You got it. Not yet. I love doing that. God doesn't do that. <laughs> God doesn't do that. These promises are for us. They're for you and I. So now that gets me thinking, are the promises, if I'm not experiencing all of the promises, are the promises actually real? Are they actually real? Are they real for me? Are they maybe only real for everybody else? Because I know they're real. I trust the word of God. I don't mistrust God. I know God is good. I have no hesitation whatsoever in saying yes and amen. But if I'm not experiencing them, are they even for me? So why are we, or why am I, not experiencing those things more often? I won't even say all the time because we have peaks and troughs in life. yeah. But why aren't we experiencing them more often? And that ridiculous thought then leads me to another question that I've been pondering this week. You, you ever have those days or weeks where you just have these questions bounce around in your head? that really don't have an answer, but deep down inside you, you, you finally work out after you know, sleepless nights that the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you somewhere to teach you something. If I'm not experiencing those things, then who's responsible for that? Who's responsible for me if I'm not experiencing those things? Who's responsible for you if you're not experiencing those things more often? Who's responsible for our spiritual growth? I know we get serious when it's really quiet. Yeah? It's like it's so quiet. Oh, people are really thinking now. Truthful answer. Who's responsible for me? Who's responsible for my spiritual growth? I am. Who's responsible for your spiritual growth? You are. Totally you are. Yet... The sad side of Christianity is that all over the globe, Christians blame churches, pastors, friends, wives, husbands, the institution of church, which God birthed, yet there are people now that say it's evil. (laughs) Go figure. Because they're not growing in themselves or not getting what they want, and so it's everybody else's fault. And I think... 
they fall into a trap that's, that, that's just it's horrendous because they begin to blame everyone for their own self and their own heart. You know, there's a couple of things that I've learnt that if you suffer an addiction and you really want to work through that addiction, you want to overcome that addiction. I've learnt by talking to people with addictions. I've learnt by speaking to counsellors. I've learnt by reading. I've learnt this, that if you want to overcome that addiction, one, you can't blame anyone else for it. Yeah? Because it's always our choice. And two, we need to take responsibility for where we're at. Yeah? Totally need to take responsibility for where we're at. Now, I know some of you will be shocked by what I'm about to say, but I carry a little bit of extra weight. I know it's not visibly obvious. <laughs> it's barely noticeable, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's no one else's fault. It's not Mel's fault that she's a good cook. It's not Mel's fault that she continues to put into the pantry chips and chips and chips and chips. It's not Mel's fault that she stores the cheese drawer with chocolate and chocolate and chocolate and chocolate and chocolate. It's not Mel's fault that I carry a bit of extra weight, though she does those things. It's my fault because I eat them. It's my fault because I love food. It's my fault because I don't like exercise unless it's a competitive sport and I can hurt someone. Yeah? Like, I'm just putting it out there. You give me a round ball or a football on a field, let me go. I will run. You'll think I'm going to have a cardiac arrest and I will run for two or three hours non-stop. You'll see me roll on the ground, get back up, hurt people, and I come off smiling. But ask me to run down the road, I would rather make myself vomit. <laughs> like, seriously, how boring is that? Let's go for a run. It's no one to talk to. Oh, I'm not doing this. This is just worthless. It's, I've got to take responsibility for me, yeah? It's no different. So who's responsible for our spiritual walk? We are. So here's another thought. Because <laughs> they all lead to the one, all, ro all roads lead to Rome. The scripture talks about sowing and reaping. It says in Galatians 6, 7, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So we often talk about that passage of scripture about sowing and reaping in relation to finances and in relation to life in general, yeah? But, but what if, what if, here's, a, here's the thought, what if the key to reaping an abundant life that Jesus talks about, what if, what if it's all about sowing in places where we can reap? Yeah. Yeah? What, what if being more than a conqueror needs us to sow in places that makes that a reality? Yeah? What if being the head and not the tail or experiencing a peace that goes beyond our understanding needs me to sow in places that I can reap those promises from God? What if sowing and reaping? Listen how the NLT puts it. Galatians 6-7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. You know, if you don't plant, if you don't sow it, you won't harvest it. And, and I, I think the answer to living in the promises of God, that just those, even those handful that I looked at, that God has spoken over our lives is being a living sacrifice. Because being a living sacrifice and sowing and reaping go hand in hand. They are almost one in the same thing. 
See, being a living sacrifice, being able to offer ourselves to God, or, or better still, let's use words that explain it better. It's you and I being able to present ourselves before the Lord as that living sacrifice, yeah? We're walking ourselves to that table of death, yeah? We're living, yeah? Or sowing ourselves into God so we can reap the promises or planting ourselves where and how he intended so that we can harvest what he'd already planned, yeah? Remember, this has got nothing to do with our salvation. Our salvation is secure. You were, and, and it's funny, I'm having this discussion on social media with someone at the moment. He goes, so you're no longer a sinner? No. He goes, so you can't sin? Oh, no, I have the propensity to sin, absolutely. I still have a fallen flesh. But I was a sinner, and I was saved by God's love and grace when I accepted what he did on the cross. And now I've stepped into sonship. A sinner, I, I, apparently... I have a seat in heaven. Apparently my citizenship's there. And from what the Bible tells me, sin can't go there. So yes, I was a sinner. I have the propensity still to do my own thing. Remember, sin is not doing the will of God, but doing your own will that goes against his. Yeah. So I still have that propensity, but now I'm a child of God. Yeah. So being a living sacrifice is knowing, knowing who we are and placing, placing on this altar of death <laughs> stuff that you want god to work with it's sowing your life into him it's planting something and i want to play with that word for a minute see td jakes in his book um crushed writes this we cannot rightfully ask our vine dresser to skip out on the development of our lives simply because we're uncomfortable with being alone in dark places to keep a seed from being planted is to condemn that seed to never realise its full potential. It is a fact that seeds are meant to be covered to die. Now, the scripture we looked at last week in Romans 12.1 was we were being urged to be a living sacrifice. And I, I think that we, and I'm speaking generally, yeah, I think we often don't experience all that Father has promised because we're afraid of the death part. Because to be a living sacrifice means you take yourself to the altar and you're putting something there that God's going to burn up, which means it requires a bit of vulnerability and openness all at the same time. Yeah, so you've got this fear of death. What am I going to look like once I bring this before the, before the Lord? What's he going to think of me when I ask him to do that? You know. I, I think we can miss the experience because we're afraid of the sacrifice. But the only way for you and I to be a living sacrifice and to experience all that God has for us is to be living for God. To be a living sacrifice, we need to be living for God. Now watch this. You see, when you plant something, it looks like you're burying it forever, doesn't it? Like for your green thumbs out there, I plant, it actually stays dead. So don't, don't, don't use my example. But when you plant something, you dig a little hole, you put it, the seed in there, and then you cover it up, and you water it, and you walk away. Isn't that what we do to dead people? Yeah, we do, don't we? We put them in a box, we dig a hole, we drop them, cover them with dirt. Yeah? Yeah, sorry? Yeah, we, look, they probably do for the roses that are out the front. Yeah, I'm sure about that. <laughs> but you're covering something. It, it, it's, it's a darkness, it's a death. When someone dies, you bury them. When you plant a seed for harvest, you cover it, you bury it. Death is part of the process. You've got to understand, to be living for God, 
You have to be a living sacrifice. To be a living sacrifice, death is part of the process. Yeah? So when we're a living sacrifice, we sow, we plant, we bury the things in our life before the Lord so he can bring stuff forth the way it was always intended. Yeah? That particular passage in that book, he goes on to write, instead of condemning you to a graveyard, which is what you may feel, yeah? God is planting you in richer soil for greater fruit. Yeah? Being a living sacrifice and sowing and reaping go hand in hand. You know, Jesus is the perfect example. In Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, it reads, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, Like you and I, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what was this death? Becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We understand what the cross is, but what's the other death? This is Revelation. (laughs) This is not in my notes. This is right now. So let me see what the Lord's saying. That, That other death is this. The Bible also says that he was tempted with every temptation under the sun, that he knows everything that we're going through, that he knows every struggle that we have. So he was obedient unto death. He was able to live a life as Jesus, the son of man, not just the son of God, being a living sacrifice, continually bringing forward to his father yeah, the stuff that we are continually yeah, tempted with so that he could be all that he needed to be for us. Didn't, the Bible doesn't say he falls in that area, but says that he knows every temptation. Yeah? He was obedient unto death, and he yet he presented himself before his dad. Even death on a cross. Jesus was obedient to death. He took himself a living sacrifice. He walked himself to his death. He walked himself to that altar of sacrifice even under the crushing pain and weight of the cross. And look what Father God did. It says it here. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Upon making the sacrifice, every prophetic word Every promise that was ever spoken about the Son of God was now fulfilled after he presented himself as a living sacrifice. After his death, every prophetic word that was spoken about him came to pass. Yeah? He took the right hand of the Father. He rose from the dead. He sent Holy Spirit. He actually now sits in heaven. The Bible's very clear. It says that he will judge all of heaven and earth. 
everything that was spoken about him happened after he presented himself, after he offered himself, after he planted himself. So if all that was purposed for his life came to pass after he was a living sacrifice, after he presented and after he sowed and after he planted, why would it be different for us? Like, why would it be different for us? I mean, I, I want to experience all of those promises and all the other promises more often than what I'm experiencing them now. I want to live in the abundant life, not just in moments, but in the moment, yeah? I want to be the head and not the tail, not just when there's money in the bank, not just when the bills are paid, but every time I take a breath. See, if you and I are not happy with where our faith is at, there's no one else to blame. That's on us. That's on you. That's on me. No preaching is going to change that, no matter what church you go to. Yeah. No church family is going to change that. Well, let me rephrase that. Let me word it differently. The family and the messages uh, and the culture will create a foundation for you to be the best that you can be. But if you aren't the best that you can be, don't blame it on those things. It's not their fault. Yeah? If we've already received the free gift of salvation, the free gift of mercy, the free gift of grace, and we want more, we want to experience more of God, we want to see the promises of God, promises that I haven't mentioned, promises that you know, you want to see them flourish in your life and come to pass in your life, then we need to sow, we need to plant, we need to harvest. We need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. You know, 2 Corinthians 9.6 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. We always hear that when it comes to finances. And you know what? There's a truth in it. It's a law of God. It's just the way it works, yeah? But it's not only for that. At the end of the day, we are, you and I, we're responsible for our growth. So I wonder how many of us miss out experiencing all that we can be in Father God. How many of us never reach all that he has purposed for us and placed in us, all because we're blaming everyone else for where we're not. Yeah. All because we refuse to be a living sacrifice all because we won't bring the things to the Lord that need to die so that we can properly live. See, God cannot multiply. Or he chooses not to, but I'll say cannot. God cannot multiply and he can't multiply what we haven't sown. Yeah. If you take anything today, take that. You, you want to be a living, you want to live for God, you need to be a living sacrifice. You want to be a living sacrifice and live for God. It requires a sowing for us to be able to reap all the promises he's spoken over our lives. But he cannot and he can't multiply what we haven't sown. See, the extent we live in the promises of God is limited by how much we plant. It's limited by how much we sow. Are we willing to be a living sacrifice daily? Are we willing to present ourselves to God? Are we willing to plant ourselves? Are we willing to sow ourselves? The hardest thing about living and being a living sacrifice is that the life that we can walk into only comes after the sacrifice. Not before. 
We put our hand up for it before. You know what it's exactly like? It's exactly like signing up for a gym. It is, it really is. Like they give you the picture, you see Willie Green, he's got muscles on top of muscles, like he did a push-up with me on his back like I didn't exist. He was picking kids up that were holding a tea towel and just picking them up like he was doing tricep curls, you know? Like you see those pictures and you think, yes, I want that six-pack. And like, I, yeah, it's a, no, that's not, no, that's not a muscle. Anyway, so I want that six-pack and I want that picture. Oh, you know what? I'm going to sign up to the gym. How much? Only 10 bucks a week for three years. Oh, gold. I'll do that. Sign. Go to my first session. Lots of pain. Go to my second session. After three weeks, I've only been to three sessions. After a month, I've been to three sessions. After two months, I've been to four. After three months, I don't go. Sound like anybody you know? Right, And then we wonder why this beautiful picture that was painted of all we can be, why we haven't stepped into that and become that. God goes, here you are. You're my son, my, my beloved son. I've adopted you. Now go, look at the promises. They're all yours. You know, it's like confetti. And then we just stop. And we wonder why we don't experience those things, why we have down moments, why we struggle in our faith. Why things that were important are no longer important. Well, I wonder if the things of God are real. I wonder if the gym actually can do what it said it was going to do. But the gym can't produce a miracle. It can only multiply what's been planted. It can't multiply what we haven't planted. And God won't multiply what we haven't planted. You know, what, we, what we walk in, what we experience, is absolutely proportional to the planting. If we only plant one seed... Yeah, you'll be lucky if you get one plant. Hopefully you'll get one plant. Plant a dozen, you might get a dozen. So think about that when it comes to being a living sacrifice because Paul gave us a whole bunch of stuff in Romans 12 and we looked at him last week. He talked about using your gifts. Use them. Part of using your gifts is part of being a living sacrifice. And for whatever reason that you struggle in your gifts, whatever the things that are coming against you, bring those to the altar. But if you never bring those to the altar, you never flourish in your gifts. What's the thing that's holding you back from talking or sharing your faith? What's the thing that's stopping you from praying and seeing the gift of healing move through you? If you don't bring something to the altar, because part of the process is death, then you'll never be a living sacrifice living for God. Now, what else did Paul say? He talked about loving each other. It's great if you love 80% of the church, but if you're not loving the other 20%, that affects the whole church. And you wonder why people aren't bestowing love on you. There's a whole law of sowing and reaping, yeah, planting and harvesting. He talks about further on living in unity. You want to be a living sacrifice? Then we have to live in unity. What stops us living in unity? Bring it to the altar. Constantly, over and over and over and over again, God can't multiply what we haven't planted. And he gives us tools on how to be and how to live as a living sacrifice. Now, I don't know about you. Why don't we all stand? Here's a thought. Can I have, are you comfortable with the keys? Are you comfortable doing that? I 
takes all types of the world to go around. I love you, dude. Thank you. I am both happy with my faith and I'm both discontent with my faith. Yeah? I'm both content with how I'm walking with the Lord and how he speaks to me, but I'm also discontent at how he speaks to me because I haven't given enough time to listen to him more. You know, I am not perfect. I don't think any one of us in this place is. I don't think any minister, any Christian is. We're doing the best with what we've got, with what we've learned. But unless we keep bringing things to the altar so that he can burn away the dross, so that we can sacrifice it, so the other things that can be living, yeah? I want to experience more, yeah? Christianity is not about experiencing. It's about the Father. But as I grow in my relationship with him, I experience him more, yeah? I hear him more. He speaks to me more. The promises one by one start to come to pass in my life. I see things working out that I didn't see before. But it all comes down to how much of myself am I prepared to place on the altar of sacrifice? How much of myself am I prepared to sow? How much of myself am I prepared to plant so that I can reap the harvest that God promised me? Now, I don't know about any of you, but regardless whether I was speaking here at home at Mount Clear Church or speaking at City West or one-to-one, it wouldn't matter if I was speaking at Hillsong. If, you're, if we want more from our relationship, if we know the promises of God, but we're not seeing the outworking of that in our life, why are we expecting God to multiply where we haven't planted? Yeah. Maybe today is a day that we need to make a decision that we're going to plant in areas we haven't planted before. We're going to sow in places we haven't sown before so that we can reap and harvest all that God has intended so that in being a living sacrifice, when people come into our sphere of influence in our workplace, in our schools, in our church, it's not about our, our wonderful words, but it's about who we are in Jesus and who we've become because we've chosen to plant and we've reaped, yeah? Anyone here ready to reap more? Anyone here ready to harvest more? You know? I, I think I could confidently say that no matter how content you are in your faith, I'd be surprised if every person here wouldn't be more than happy to say, of course I want more of God. Of course I want more of Him. But sometimes that even that requires a process of death to be able to speak those words to say hey I've been content in my life for the last 30 years but for the next 30 I want more for the next 30 I want more for the next 40 I want more for the next 50 I want to see a harvest that goes beyond understanding you know in church life people always talk about the harvest you know the harvest is ready but the labour is a few but you know what you never hear you never hear anyone talking about the sowing if you don't sow, you can't reap a harvest. You can't reap a harvest out there and you can't reap a harvest in your soul unless you sow, unless you plant, unless you're prepared to be a living sacrifice. So with every eye closed, I'm going to ask a really simple question. Yeah, I don't want anyone looking around. I give people the privacy that they deserve. It's between them and God. Yeah. 
But right now, today, if you want to experience more of God, see more of His promises flow through your life, will you commit yourself? We sang songs today that said, I will do this. Will you today commit yourself to say, I'm going to plant where I haven't planted before. I'm going to sow where I haven't sown before. I'm going to walk stuff to the altar that I've never walked before so that I can see more of God in my life and in my family and in my friends. If that's you, if you're prepared to make that commitment with your God, I just put your hand up and put it down. Do something in the physical that says, that's me, God. That's me. That's me. I want more of you, Lord, in this place today. I ask God that you would work something so supernatural. Lord, something that is so different to what any of us have ever experienced. Lord, I pray that we would speak in other words that we've never spoken before. Lord, that we would sense you in a way that we've never experienced you before. Lord, that we would be so in tune with you, Holy Spirit, that wherever we go, your name would be made great. That you would be glorified, Lord Jesus. That we would be the living, you know, the, the, the living example of what it is to be a Christian, a Christ one, living for God, a living sacrifice, walking daily, presenting ourselves before the Lord. Father, I pray that you take these words from today, God, those that were birthed and began last week, and Lord, you seal it with your seal, Holy Spirit. Lord, every hand that was raised, Lord God, I pray that you would remind them daily, Lord, of what they've committed to. Lord, that you would remind them when they're not sowing. God, that you would remind them when they're not planting. Lord, that you would show them that they cannot harvest, Lord, what's not been planted. Lord, do something, God, in this church. God, Mount Clear, Church of Christ today. In the lives of everyone that's here present, everyone that's listening at home. Lord, that you would do such a work that would set us apart for what you have in store for us. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his example, that he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. God, I thank you that those, those moments of darkness, Lord, aren't moments of, of, of us dying, but Lord, in that darkness, it's a place where life will come forth and come forth abundantly. So God, do your work in us today, we pray. And everyone in the house said... And everyone in the house said, have a wonderful day in Jesus' name. Go and love and serve the Lord, they would say.